Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of July 2022, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Now, if you're not familiar with the show format, essentially what a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode entails is a... Myself and my good buddy Brad from the CinemaSpeak podcast are going to be reviewing uh, the upcoming physical media releases for the month of July 2022. So that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. And we'll proceed through the calendar week by week and just call out any titles that jump out at us for whatever reason. But um, before we get to things, I should introduce my co-host, B-Rad, uh, from the Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Yeah, it's going good. I mean, thanks for uh, having me on once again. I, I do have to admit, I do have to say, uh, I mean, I guess I didn't tell you before we started recording, but um, I've fallen off the Blu-ray train a little bit here. Not not that I'm like going digital or anything like that, but I just haven't, uh, I don't think I've bought any new releases. I don't think I've bought anything this month yet. Now, I will say... The uh, Criterion sale is wrapping up. In fact, when this episode is posted, it might have just ended. I don't even know because it ends in the next couple of days. I do plan on buying some Criterions in the final days of the Barnes & Noble sale. But other than that, it's, uh, I've, I've fallen off the train a little bit. So hopefully I'll be able to you know, at least uh, come up with some, some form of expertise while browsing Blu-ray.com here. I, I don't have any concerns about your, your levels of expertise, Brad. Um, part of what's really fun about doing this show from month to month with you is that, um, as Kyle is, is wont to say, uh, we notice different things. Um, so when it comes to our, our observations of the, the catalog offerings from month to month, uh, I'm usually assured that whatever I don't know anything about, you most assuredly will. Uh, so we fill in each other's, you know, gaps of knowledge pretty well. So I'm not concerned about that. But funny enough, uh, I'm very much in the same boat this month. Uh, I have mentioned previously on the epi- uh, on previous episodes that I very recently moved. Uh, I only just got my movies back on the shelf, uh, and as a result, I haven't I haven't bought it dick uh, this month <laughs> so uh, i've looked at the the month's offerings uh here and there but i i have not purchased anything this month as far as i'm aware uh so uh this could be a good opportunity though to create a shopping list especially for you being as the like you said the uh barnes and noble criterion sale is uh just about wrapped up so yeah. um yeah. Be sure to call out any titles that you think you're going to be grabbing. I feel like, though, that um, you, like how you said with the move and all your movies boxed up, I think that should be the time where you are buying new blue, like new movies, new blue. You got everything boxed up. Now's the perfect excuse. Well, everything's in boxes. I got to buy some new stuff just to have something to watch. Like now is the time to buy, buy, buy. Oh, well, you'll be super disappointed in me, Brad. Like, I haven't even hooked up my uh, Blu-ray slash 4K player. Um, I have a TV. It's not plugged in. I have a Blu-ray slash 4K player. It's not plugged in. Um, That's that's how much in flux my life is at the moment. Um, So everything that we've been watching has uh, largely been selected by the girlfriend over the past couple of weeks and has largely been via the Hulu streaming service and has been very light. Um, so I, I still have a pretty big backlog that's hanging over my head. Um, I did make sure to set those titles aside so I, they wouldn't get lost in the fold. 
Um, so I, I still have that nasty stack staring me down from day to day, <laughs> um, despite the utter disorganization of my collection. But mm-hmm. um, that being said, Brad, uh, how about we get to it? Let's get into uh, it. So let's take a look at the uh, titles from July 2022. So folks at home, if you're not aware of how physical media releases generally pan out, uh, they typically fall on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Um, so we'll be sure to call out the dates as we head into things. But um, I will point out we have a bunch of uh, what appears to be Sony uh, like special cover editions of a lot of uh, previous 4K releases of theirs, such as like Venom and Morbius <laughs> and uh, Uncharted and that Ghostbusters movie that not many people like. Um, but our first proper uh, release date in July falls on July 5th. And right out the gate, uh, we have we have a real slobber knocker in the form of uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, and was this uh, from, is it the directing duo? I think they referred to as Daniels. Yeah, they did. Uh, their previous movie was Swiss Army Man, I think was the title of it. The one where Daniel Radcliffe played a farting corpse. Um, so if you know that film, you kind of know what, uh, what you're going to be in for with this one. Yeah, uh, th- it's funny. This movie fits into that category. Uh, it's it's like achieved that rarefied air of uh, being like the most praised, like maybe the single most praised film uh, I can recall in recent memory. Uh, pretty much every critic or every person on Twitter out there that has seen this movie has nothing but the most amazing of things to say about it. Uh, I have not seen it personally. Um, I would very much like to simply because of its reputation, but also because of uh, its cast. Um, Michelle Yeoh, uh, as uh, Kyle refers to her, the Malaysian fox. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Kei Hui Kwan uh, from uh, you know G- The Goonies and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, he kind of makes his return uh, to acting. and um, But also the, uh, the Marshall Club, the Martial Arts Club from YouTube fame. Uh, they they have recently made some serious headway into the film industry uh, via YouTube and like Instagram and stuff, and it's it's utterly amazing uh, to see them be in like big time like Hollywood productions because I've I've been following them since like the YouTube days and they they have the goods they got the talent and now seeing them in things like the Paper Tigers and Shang Chi and now this film. Uh, it's it's really cool seeing them uh, like not only on the come up but but like truly having arrived. So I don't know how big their involvement with this film is, but uh, just seeing a couple of snippets here and there of their involvement just put a huge smile on my face. But Brad, I, I know you reviewed this for the Cinema Speak podcast. What was your uh, what was your verdict regarding this one? Yeah, I I, uh, I really liked it. Um, it wasn't like a five out of five for me on a on a first watch, but I would definitely like to revisit it because there is there is a lot there um and i think on a thematic level it worked really well i remember really liking the themes um and the performances were great there was just some because there's like so many ideas being tossed around it's a little tough to sift through everything that's presented um but i thought yeah it was you know definitely very energetic a lot of fun um very entertaining I I am surprised that like for a while there it was like the highest rated film on Letterboxd. Um I wouldn't go that far. I do think that uh there's a little bit of an A24 bias going on lately. Um because I uh just last night went and saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on 
And uh, I, uh, spoiler alert, I, I also enjoyed that. Didn't love it. But then I go on Letterboxd and it's ranked number 61 on the top 250 Letterboxd films of all time. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, let's let's calm down a little bit. Um, but no, it, it is uh, it is very good. And uh, I think this is 4K, correct? I think it is coming out in 4K. Yes. Yeah. So I, I definitely I w- I'm sure I will be revisiting it before the end of the year. Yeah, uh, I hope to uh, to have my initial viewing of it sometime before the end of the year as well, uh, because like I said, it's just, you know, it's piqued my curiosity at this point. Like too much has been said about it, too much good stuff. And like I said, there's also a lot of components to it that I have appreciation for even without really knowing much about the film. So uh, I don't know if I'll be blind buying it, but uh, there's a very good chance I will, honestly, because I know the girlfriend uh, is curious about this one, too. Um, and it's, you know, it's reputation is very solid. So that, that may actually be a blind purchase for me. Um, and, uh, beside that, uh, we also have another 4k release of, uh, edge of tomorrow, uh, or live die repeat as they attempted to, uh, rebrand it, uh, in more recent years. Uh, this came out in 2014. This was directed by Doug Lyman, uh, who I believe gave us that first, uh, born identity, but not the subsequent born films. Um, this is that Tom Cruise and uh, Emily Blunt sci-fi film that's adapted from a, uh, I think it's a Japanese light novel. I don't think it's a manga. I think it's actually a novel. I think it's called All You Need Is Kill. Um, that sounds right. I remember uh, a friend of mine who uh, who had read that book was pretty hyped about this one. And uh, truth be told, I largely enjoyed this movie. I did see it in the theater. I think its visual presentation is really stupendous. Um, I love the use of the physical props and wire work and stuff to actually do some legit stunt work. Uh, the concept is, is of course, a banger. Like, it's, you know, Groundhog Day in a war, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was I was kind of disappointed by the, the wrap-up. Like, the ending didn't really work all that well for me. But the, the, the journey was good enough that... I would rewatch this. I don't know if I need to own it, but I am curious about giving it another look. How about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I like this uh, film quite a bit. I saw it in theaters, and I felt pretty much exactly the same as you. The last act for me was it, the weakest. It kind of fell off. Um, I've seen it at least two or one, once or twice since then, and I've kind of. I still think the last act is probably the weakest part of the movie, but it's. It's not quite as uh, much of a disappointment as a first watch. It's grown on me. So I, I really love this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I might pick it up on uh, 4K. The Blu-ray.com review says that uh, it looks good, but the last uh, act, when it gets when the movie's darker, uh, the darkness and the colors there look a little bit unnatural, the way that the colors pop out from the darkness. And uh, they're a little critical there, but they said otherwise it's a, it's a pretty good transfer. Okay, uh, that's that's very good to know. Um, a little bit of a tangent, but I'm curious what your thoughts on this are. Um, HDR, Brad, um, that's something that a lot of a lot of like sticklers for for visuals uh, in their in their viewing experience of film. That's that's like a feature that even more so than 4K, um, a lot of enthusiasts are very big on. It's a very divisive subject. However, some people are like the total bullshit. Some people think it's it's the actual revolutionary new technology rather than 4k um is it something you ever monkey with like do you do you do you fuck with hdr um 
not I mean not too much like I know my TV supports it um I don't I mean honestly I I don't know do you do I have to do something specifically in the settings I guess I guess I'm not uh too sure um but I know my TV supports it at least a lot of uh, a lot of 4K televisions have like an HDR plus setting for okay. something that uh, adjusts the the color and uh, also usually adds some sort of smoothing element as well, which I I really do not care for, mm-hmm. which is why I generally keep those features turned off. Um, I I generally prefer just like the raw presentation of the film as you would see it in its initial screening. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, some people swear by HDR, though. Like, there's a lot of people out there who that that's that's the element of the disc review, like on these Blu-ray.com reviews. That's like the the chief selling point for them. However, myself and it sounds like you as well, not really a big deal. I generally don't monkey with that. Yeah, I'll have to check. But as far as I know, I don't. Have, if it's something to turn on, then I do not have it turned on. As far as I know, because I know for sure I don't have any smoothing on. God no! Oh fuck that! <laughs> fuck that! Like it, it seriously, it looks like a like a you know a backyard home movie or some shit. It cheapens it. Like it it doesn't look filmic. I yeah. guess is the word you would use. Um, and I hate it because I I'm continually trying to calibrate my uh, my girlfriend's uh, television, and f- for the life of me, I cannot figure that shit out. Like it it has all these automated settings where like you put on a movie it's like oh it's over two hours long it must be a movie I better turn on smoothing it's like no god damn it it's like I I tweaked all these bells and whistles to not do that every fucking time it does it it's always too fucking dark it's always got that smearing smoothing effect I had to watch the gray man and like squint because it was so fucking dark and everything was a smeared just like oil painting mess I was like fuck this TV like. Let's go downstairs and plug in my TV. Oh, wait, we're in the middle of a heat wave and it's too goddamn hot. I guess I'm watching the gray man and not being able to see anything. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed, I don't know specifically why or what to do about it, but with my TV, um, the settings are specifically like, you can tell there's a difference in how the picture looks. And it could be partly streaming versus disc, but I don't think it's that. It's like for my 4K player versus like when I'm just watching something through an app on the TV. Um, and I don't know too much of the difference, but I generally just try to watch everything uh, through the 4K player because I know that's how I've calibrated everything. Um, so then when I sometimes watching something through the app built in directly on the TV, I'm like, this stuff looks darker than it normally does. And I don't know how to, I don't want, I don't want to mess, mess around with it and then screw up what the settings i have on the 4k so i don't it's a mess they need to make these things easier to calibrate they're it's a headache yeah and everybody has their own personal taste as well so you know you it's very hard to find the sweet spot like it 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 speaks to how long i've been living alone that i have to think about these things so intensely these days because like when when it was just me, like I had everything just so, but now that everything's been uprooted, now I need to start from square one again. And it's very, very frustrating. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I feel ya. I feel ya. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, we have our first uh, Criterion release for the month, and uh, that would be Okja uh, on 4K, uh, no less, uh, from the year 2017. And this is, uh, I believe this started out as a Netflix exclusive uh, from Bong Joon-ho. Uh, it's no surprise that uh, they would kind of retroactively uh, snatch this one up, being as he's 
kind of a big deal these days and you know an oscar winner and whatnot um but i don't remember this movie making a huge splash at the time am i wrong on that Mm, i mean it certainly wasn't like quite as uh splashy as uh you know parasite was feels like i mean even snowpiercer to a certain extent i feel like had a better reception feels like people a lot of people saw it because it was kind of an early netflix original from a pretty big director um but i think the general consensus is people thought it was a slight disappointment um i still really enjoyed it i've only watched it the one time um but i would uh consider getting this because like i haven't gotten any of the uh uh, Criterion Netflix Blu-rays, um, just because I, you know I have access to Netflix, so it's hard for me to justify getting one of those movies when I could get something that I don't have access to. Um, but a Netflix uh, 4K on Criterion—that's a different story, because uh, you know with internet speeds and stuff, you never uh, never totally uh, can get a nice presentation on 4K. At least I can't. Um, where it's guaranteed, you know, 4K from front to back. So this, uh, this is, uh, this is an intriguing one for me. This is an intriguing one for me. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I am largely in the same boat. I don't know, like, how consistent my streaming quality is, uh, at the new apartment, but, uh, my old place, I did notice that, like, 4K disc films that I had generally did look noticeably better. Um, than anything that I would stream, so you know we're we're not quite there yet. Like like streaming has not eclipsed disc media just yet, as like as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I'm not in a hurry to watch Okja, but I, I do just remember that it was uh, an at least debuted on Netflix, and it's again no surprise that Criterion would retroactively uh, get the rights to it. But uh, we have another Criterion release also on 4K same week uh the virgin suicides from 1999 i believe if memory serves that's a sofia coppola am i right on that yeah i think it's uh i want to say it's her first film could be right maybe it's her second but i think it's her first um i've only seen it once but i did like it and uh i bought the criterion blu-ray i have it sitting right over there and uh it is still unwatched so maybe i'll watch it on blu-ray before i buy the 4k (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I know Sofia Coppola has directed at least one movie that you absolutely love, Brad. Um, do you have much of a connection, if any, to Virgin Suicides? Uh, I mean, I, I really like it, but uh, from the one time I saw it, but I haven't gone back and revisited it. Um, that's kind of how I am with most of her other films. Like, I really like her, and I like her style and her visuals, um, but I think Lost in Translation is probably the only one... I've gone back and rewatched. Actually, no, I think I did rewatch The Bling Ring, now that I think about it. Um, but uh, Somewhere, or whatever it's called, I that one is good, but I've never revisited it. Um, On the Rocks, the Apple Plus original, the movie I'm the only one that liked, apparently. Um, didn't revisit that yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to watch this, for sure. I don't know if I'm going to upgrade to 4k when i still have the blu-ray but i i need to revisit this one yeah i I have not seen it i don't really have any connection to it um therefore it's not really on my radar or anything however as we tend to say about criterion releases here at catching up on cinema if it's 
part of the Criterion Collection, it is probably worth your time, um, especially if they go so far as to put it on 4K. Usually that's a very good sign that they would make that investment. Um, I'm going to tackle uh, a few titles here all at once because I believe they have a connection uh, in the form of uh, their distributor. Uh, so we have three films from the eat-em-up genre, as Brad has dubbed them. Uh, that would be animal attack films, essentially. Uh, we have Ants from the year 1977, Tarantulas, colon, The Deadly Cargo, also from 1977, and Terror Out of the Sky from 1978. All of these are being offered from Kino Lorber, and all of them appear to be about uh, insects uh, and arachnids, uh, wrecking some people's shit. Um, do you uh, you have any comments about these ones, Brad? No, I, I'm unfamiliar with these. Uh, definitely could be potential pickups in the criteria, or uh, the, the Kino sale. I mean, you know, the Kino sale, the prices get so cheap. These things are $9.99. You better believe I'm picking up all three of them. Um, the ants cover a little odd. I don't know if I'm if this is supposed to be uh, sexy or uh, it's definitely not doing anything for me. Um, but I guess if you're uh, into ants, I guess maybe that would do something for you. I I have heard that um, the uh, tarantulas, the deadly cargo, picture quality on that one, according to the Blu-ray.com review, not the greatest. Um, so just be aware of that. I don't know if the other two even got reviews. But, um, yeah, I mean, this uh, genre that uh, speaks to me, so I, uh, would, I'd probably check these out, even though they're probably, probably all pretty garbage, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't really have much of anything to say about these, uh, these Kino eat-em-ups uh, either. Um, however, I will point out that the cover art for Terror Out of the Sky does, in my mind anyway, uh, bear a little bit of a resemblance to like maybe one of the Grindhouse posters I've seen. Um, something about the font and the like the composition uh, just reminds me of that. But yeah, these are actually shockingly um, eat em ups that I am not familiar with even a little bit. Um, I I know of plenty other like animal attack movies like involving insects and arachnids and stuff from this era, uh, but not these in particular. Uh, so I probably won't be picking these up. However, um, I don't know. It's it's one of those genres that both Brad and I uh, have a mutual appreciation for. So it's always just kind of fun seeing them get brand spanking new uh, Blu-ray releases in the year 2022. <laughs> um, but beside that, uh, we have a, uh, a movie that actually I, I think I'm going to be picking up. Uh, I only saw it when it initially came out, but that would be uh, Shocker, uh, William Friedkin's the hunted from 2003 i actually did not know that he directed this film but um when i became aware of that uh just recently uh like i said i have seen this film um i was like oh yeah i can kind of see that like this movie does have a little bit of like fly on the wall almost like documentary style elements to it like it, it's very matter of fact in its presentation like it it, it is like a quote like survival or action thriller but it doesn't have a lot of I don't know the flash uh, that a lot of generic action movies would have. It's it's very flatly presented, but um, I enjoyed this movie for the most part. It's it's pretty bare bones, honestly. There's not very much to it, um, but to this day, some of the, some of the best goddamn knife fighting you'll ever see in American cinema. Uh, Brad, have you seen this one? No, I, I I had no idea William Friedkin directed it. I don't know much about this one, but uh, 
I haven't seen a ton of his films, to be totally honest, but um, I like what I've seen, and uh, I like uh, I like his vibe. I gotta say, I like William Friedkin's vibe. Any interviews with him, pretty amazing. Yeah, he he is a very good interview. He seems very uh, affable. Like he's a he's a much warmer personality than his films would suggest, I guess. Um, but uh, Sorcerer was kind of like that's where I kind of turned the corner with him, where it's like I decided I really like this guy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I took it upon myself to watch that movie like three four years ago, and that really was the difference maker. Like that that is most certainly not a movie for everybody, but at the time it really worked for me but i had no idea that he directed this until i just pulled up the blu-ray profile this morning Um, but this is one that i had actually marked down a long time ago when i heard that it was getting a blu-ray release it was one of those titles that i was like oh that that hasn't been out on blu-ray before (laughs) um but um yeah i'm actually pretty anxious to check this one out again Uh, it worked for me when i saw it in 2003 and i have a feeling it'll work for me in 2022 but um, beside that, we have uh, Hero from 1997. Um, this is from 88 Films, uh, which oftentimes represents a, a British uh, Blu-ray release. Um, so I believe this is a, a domestic American disc. I'm not positive on that, but a lot of their titles are strictly UK releases, which is very fucking frustrating for me uh, because they do a lot of Chinese and like Hong Kong like action movies from the 80s and 90s and whatnot. Uh, this one's directed by Corey Yuen, uh, who is of course a huge veteran of Hong Kong action cinema. Uh, and it's headlined by Takeshi Kanishiro, uh, who I'm kind of surprised never really made a splash in the States. Uh, I don't know what his English capabilities are, but uh, he always had the distinction of being like a megastar uh, in Asia uh, throughout like the 90s and the early 2000s in particular, uh, largely because uh, he's multilingual. Like he's, he's also multi-ethnic, so he, he could appeal to both Chinese and Japanese audiences in equal measure. Um, and it, like he put in some astounding work uh, through those two decades, um, but he never really uh, like unlike a lot of other stars uh, from from Asia during that time period, he never really attempted uh, to make a splash over here. I was kind of shocked by that. So th- this is unconnected to the uh, what is it? The Jet Li hero? Uh, yes, totally, totally unconnected. Um, I don't actually know if it has like a different uh, Chinese title. Uh, um, I'm not sure if it's called Hero, um, but that's what it's called in, in the West anyway. But yeah, totally unconnected. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of movies called Hero. There's um, a lot of heroes out there. Yeah, there are too many goddamn heroes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have uh, Downton Abbey, colon, A New Era on 4K and Blu-ray. Um, now, is this the first or are there multiple Downton Abbey films, Brad? This is the second. This is the second Downton Abbey film. So, huge franchise. Damn. I mean, my, my mom is a big fan. Um, I have not watched it personally. I would I would check it out uh, if I was prompted to. However, I, at the mm-hmm. moment, I don't really have any interest. But yeah, goddamn, a whole television series and now two uh, theatrical releases. Um, shocker. Big surprise. Yeah, I mean, I've never uh, watched any Downton Abbey either. Um, but... Um... Yeah, I probably would love it because I ended up watching The Crown, and I love that. So, 
Yeah, uh, I I mean, what season is the crown at these days? Uh, they've done four, and uh, they've been working on five for a while. It's got to be coming out soon. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, I remember you mentioning that more than more than once on the Send Him a Speak podcast that you're a big fan of that yeah. one. But um, hopefully that new season comes out soon for you. Um, moving right along, uh, we actually. Oh, I lied. Uh, I did pick up at least one title, and it, it would. It's a. It's a weird one. Um, I, I actually did pick this up. Uh, from like, I it must have fallen off a truck or something, because uh, this new movie from uh, Martin Campbell. Uh, starring Liam fucking Neeson, Memory. Uh, I actually own this. Really? I haven't watched it yet, but but it was seven dollars <laughs> uh, at at Owls on the Ave, and I was like, sure. <laughs> like I like Martin Campbell. I like when Liam Neeson punches people. I don't know a goddamn thing about this movie. A uh, guy Pierce is in it. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was so cheap and and brand spanking new that I was like, yeah sure i'll take a chance on that so i I lied i actually have picked up a july 2022 release and as i said this had to have fallen off a truck or something because it was way too cheap yeah i mean well you're the only person i know who is not i mean yeah i don't don't think you've watched it yet right you just own it yeah i haven't i haven't even cracked this one open yet yeah i mean you're the only person i know who was even considered watching it so maybe that's why it's so cheap um, but I don't know. I, w- I remember the trailer for this popped up in front of a movie I saw, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, it looks a little bit just like another generic Liam Neeson action movie." Uh, you don't have Yum call it Sarah attached to it, so I'm a little less interested already. But then Martin Campbell, I was like, "Oh, well, actually, no. I would maybe like to check that one out." Um, so I mean, yeah, if this was yeah seven dollars, I I probably would pop on that if I found it for seven bucks. I'll be honest. Yeah, seven bucks still in the shrink wrap with the slip cover. I was like, with the, that's key. Okay, with the slip cover, seven <laughs> bucks I'd buy it. Without, you gotta be five. <laughs> I mean, I maybe I could have swung that, like honestly, because it like they they acquired this probably the day it came out, and they they saw fit to price it that way. Uh, maybe right. they were smart enough to know like nobody actually wants this shit. <laughs> except yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going for twenty two ninety six on Amazon right now, so you got it for a steal. God damn! Yeah. Wow, did good. I should flip that shit. <laughs> maybe you should. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of funny how the uh, the Martin Campbell factor was actually what sold me on it. Where like you, I looked at it and I was like, ah, it just looks like you know standard Liam Neeson punches people movie. But I was like, oh. I do like Martin Campbell, and even even when he's has access to fewer resources than he did on his tenure with the James Bond films, like you know the the foreigner's not half bad. Like he's he's done he's done some small scale good work, uh, so maybe this one will have some stuff to offer. Plus, again, Guy Pierce, like, like Guy Pierce, if you if you let him off the chain, he will go nuts on you, and usually it's fun. Uh, so we'll see. I'll have to report back on this one. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Could be a rental for me. Might be a rental. I'll I'll let you know. I'll like don't don't hurry. But uh, if I get around to watching it, I'll let you know if it's a stinker or not. I'll I'll, I'll Brad taught me how to use Letterboxd, um, so I will be sure to post a proper Letterboxd star rating slash review for it. Please do. Um, so you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, you'll hear yeah. about it. <laughs> 
Um, we have Anthony Hopkins uh, standing in for Bruce Willis on a Lionsgate release of Zero Contact. Um, we have uh, a bunch of shit that I don't have anything to say about, uh, including Last Vegas from 2013, which I presume is a re-release. Yeah, I think so. Um, Alaskan Nets, uh, One Town, One Dream from 2021. This appears to be about... Um, presumably uh, i'm not gonna read the description i'm just gonna wing it but i presume it's about alaskan natives uh taking up basketball and probably doing pretty good at it maybe um we have a uh, indicator release of mad dog morgan from 1976 uh dig that cover i like the composition quite a lot it has like an hourglass shape to it and uh, the color palette is very snazzy mm-hmm. i like that um the nun and the devil from 1973 but uh beyond that do you have any other titles from that week that you'd like to highlight brad no i think that that about covers it okay well let's bounce on down to the next week which is july 12th uh 2022 uh and right out the gate we have a criterion 4k and blu-ray release of martin scorsese's uh raging bull um now this is a big one for me personally uh, as as i've said uh, multiple times on the podcast over the past several weeks i've very very huge fan of uh the sport of boxing and uh the media that surrounds it um and uh this is an exceptional boxing film it's also an exceptional film overall in fact uh, i seem to remember reading somewhere like somebody declared this like maybe the best film of the 80s and it just happened to come out in 1980 uh so it's like basically like it was like a tone setter at the out the outset of the decade that was never truly topped Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a phenomenal film and and includes a host of phenomenal performances from like pretty much everyone in it uh it's beautifully shot beautifully acted uh very hard to watch at times however there's certain parts of it that i don't know what it says about myself but i find myself chuckling uh, at inopportune times where it really doesn't make sense to but there's just certain things that for whatever reason tickle me uh, but Jake LaMotta was uh, a very monstrous and conflicted person um, and this this movie really does a fantastic job of presenting what it would be like to try to uh, try to grapple with that sort of personality day in and day out and um brad have you seen this movie i have but i've I've only seen it once and it's been a while um i think uh i probably will be picking this one up in the sale i think this is uh gonna be a pickup for me yeah i think i read five out of five uh for visual presentation on the 4k Mm -hmm. um and it's well deserving of it this is this is a tremendous film that i'm actually very very eager uh to rewatch. um it's it's great just 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 watch it like even if you don't have any interest in the subject matter like if you if you if you like film you'll find something in here that you'll you'll get out of it um beside that we have uh, angel heart on 4k and a uh, steelbook i believe from Lionsgate. uh is this debuting on 4k brad i think so um as far as i know it is and I, i'll be honest i don't know i don't know a ton about the film to be totally honest uh, I know, I know the people who like it really, really like it. But um, as tends to be the case with a lot of Mickey Rourke's filmography, I think it's it's like one of those underseen films that it's 
probably not truly amazing, but it has some aspects to it that are very, very memorable. And of course, he shows the fuck up for it. Um, it's Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro. Um, I, I know a thing or two about it. I haven't seen it personally, but I have heard people uh, praise it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's like a essential viewing film for most folks, but it does carry a, a reputation. It, I mean, um, it's interesting that uh, Lionsgate is putting it out like it's not a boutique release. Just seems like a very um, kind of out there film. Not not out there, but like, you know, it's not an absolute banger that I would think would sell like a ton of copy. Like, you know, a lot of these catalog releases that the studios are putting out are the very like obvious like safe like we know these will sell well like i i would think this would have been more suited for a boutique label but maybe i just don't know the angel heart heads out there how many there are i guess maybe i'm i'm way off base it wouldn't be a podcast if i didn't you know talk directly out my ass and like spin a yarn or come up with a theory on the spot um but lionsgate's branding like like their their general vibe their their catalog of films it tends to cater to like the hyper masculine like like just as a casual observer of their releases from month to month they tend to to favor like boomer action fans <laughs> like a lot of sylvester stallone movies things along those lines mickey rourke and robert de niro in the 80s I would imagine I would imagine this this movie like just having those names and faces on the cover could find its way into that particular catalog uh, am- among like Lionsgate films and whatnot. Um, I'm sure this this movie does have like a nostalgia factor uh, for certain folks as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's just a theory. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're probably not off base there. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, and I wouldn't imagine the rights to the film are terribly expensive either, because like you said, it's like it's not a household name of a film. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not something that everybody's cram like scrambling to run out and get. But um, beside that, we have uh, the individual 4K release of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Hey, synergy with uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, we have the Beatles: colon, Get Back. 2021 now this was a documentary that i think it was part of a streaming service is that right brad yeah it's uh disney plus put it out um gotcha yeah i i didn't watch this like i'm not the biggest beatles fan i have to say um but uh i'm curious to check it out because it is uh directed by peter jackson now a little controversial i i think it's at least i think it's peter jackson i'm pretty sure uh, he, he gave me a look there like you were surprised. I guess maybe you just didn't know. Um, but little controversial, Peter Jackson, uh, you know, he's always, you know, he's going, he's kind of going full George Lucas in certain ways, you know, with uh, some of the things he's doing. This is, you know, footage that was shot when they were making their Get Back album. Uh, Peter Jackson, apparently, and I haven't watched it, but this is what I've heard, is he uh, went in and removed the grain from the image he degrained it because he wanted it to look as much like you were looking through a window to like that you were actually there so he took out the grain which is uh controversial and i've heard some people say they don't like the look of it because of that um 
but I haven't watched it, so I can't say. But um, I I would I would like to check it out. It's it's it's, it's long. It's a big time commitment, though. Like you kind of got to be. I could I could see myself starting it and never finishing it, which maybe is just you know get a little taste of it. But um, yeah, I I I'd be curious to check it out. Well, maybe like James Cameron falling in love with the bottom of the ocean or uh, Robert Zemeckis falling in love with performance capture. Maybe Peter Jackson fell in love with the technology that they used for They Shall Not Grow Old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just like took that magic digital eraser to the Beatles footage just because he could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I could see how that would be controversial. Um, I Like you, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, so this actually doesn't hold a lot of appeal to me personally, but... It's probably very, it's probably a huge deal to a lot of people, which is why it would probably be on Disney fucking plus. <laughs> it's like, good job, Disney. You made all the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now we have another Criterion release of uh, Summertime from 1955. Now, uh, as tends to be the case with these, uh, you know, actual good movies, I'm going to have to ask Brad, uh, educate me. Do you know anything about this one? Nope. Just that it stars Catherine Hepburn. That's all I know. Okay, cool. Moving on. (laughs) Some people, that's enough. We have the... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not for me, but as we tend to say, it's part of the Criterion Collection. There's a reason for that. It's probably worth your time. Uh, We have The Frisco Kid from 1979. I seem to remember there was like a... Was it Briscoe County Jr. or something with the Bruce Campbell television show? I I conflate those two. Like, there's overlap in the titles for those two for me. But um, we have Rough Cut, uh, which is a a Paramount release uh, from 1980. That appears to be Tom Selleck on the cover. Nice. Um, It's funny, actually. There's a Korean movie uh, I have uh, by the same title, Rough Cut, that's uh, probably very, very different. But... That's a movie I don't think has gotten a domestic American release uh, that really ought to because it's such a cool idea. Uh, basically, it's about a uh, like a filmmaker who's trying to make a Korean gangster film. Um, and to do so, he, he recruits an actual Korean gangster to like serve as an advisor or a consultant and also be a member of the cast as well. Um, and so it, it becomes this like wild crossover affair where it's like, this gangster's still actively trying to be a criminal while being an actor, and both parties learn lessons from each other. Um, it has a really killer finale as well. Um, not sure if you've heard about that one, but that's my little uh, PSA. No, I rough cut. Yeah, Korea. I haven't. I also uh, I don't want to correct you here, but I mean you're gonna edit this, so you can just edit this out if you want. But um, is that Burt Reynolds? It is Burt Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> I should have just said it was Norm Macdonald. That would have been the yeah, safer there you bet. Go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving that in, by the way. Yeah. I'm not no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I like the cover of this. It sounds like it's a bit of a heist film. I uh, probably won't be purchasing it as a blind buy, but uh, picture quality is good. Not many extras, though. Not many extras. So, Eh, could be fun, though. You know, It's got a handsome cast. Like you said, the cover art is very appealing. Could be could be a lot of yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have the Six Million Dollar Man from 1989. It's the complete series. I uh, could be wrong, but that may be like a revival because I, I, when I think of that, I think of like the 70s. Um, but we have a, a Japanese animated film, uh, Pompo the Cinephile from 2021. 
I've seen a couple of clips of that one. It, it looks like it it may have some some fun, like some actual like crossover appeal for people who aren't necessarily fans of the medium strictly because of the the you know general film references included in there. Uh, we have Leap of Faith, uh, which I believe is a Steve Martin film, uh, also from Paramount from 1992. Uh, I remember walking by the cover art for this one, like at the grocery store when I was a kid. But Brad, have you seen this one? No, I don't think I ever have, but I do know the cover art for sure. Yeah, it, it's a it's an eye catching cover. I I most certainly remember passing by it at at like the video store all the time, but. Uh, never seen it, but I really, really do like Steve Martin. I know he's not for everyone, uh, Kyle included, um, but I, I've always really liked his particular brand of comedy. Uh, he works for me. Yeah, he's um, he's not my favorite, a, but he's you know he's all right. He's mid. Uh, I mean that that's fair. Like I said, comedy is is very much in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah, uh, I happen to like him. Apparently, everyone around me thinks he's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, we have the 10,000th release of Galaxy Quest. Um, Bebe's Kids from 1992. Is this debuting on Blu-ray? This was one of those movies that also I passed by in the uh, in the video store constantly. I think we did actually rent it at some point, but I don't think I actually was around to watch it. I'm pretty sure my brother uh, rented this or something when we were very little, but... Uh, this movie has a reputation like like the people who who grew up on it probably very very much remember it uh, have you seen this one brad i i know nothing about this i'm sure sh- this is like i I'm, you're like oh i've seen this in the video store all the time this that's whoosh, over my head i've never even heard of this uh well i mean it needs to be said i am slightly older than brad uh, so that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to early 90s entertainment um but yeah baby's kids was kind of a thing um and also it was kind of a thing to the extent that it got a fucking super nintendo game uh that i remember being absolutely horrendous like right up there with uh the family dog in terms of just like outright badness and unplayability um which is saying a fucking lot because the family (laughs) dog fucking sucked Uh, we have Martin Cove in Steel Justice. Uh, if you're not aware, Martin Cove, I believe, is the uh, the what's the 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 bad trainer from uh, Cobra Kai or the Karate Kid, mm. uh, if you will. Um, he headlined a handful of like trashy action films in the '80s. Uh, also, you know, played a lot of villains in that decade as well. Um, wouldn't be surprised that somebody would gobble up the rights to that being as uh, Cobra Kai is a fucking phenomenon. Like I, I didn't see that shit coming, but people love that show. I've never watched it. Have you, Brad? No, um, I am very unversed in the Karate Kid franchise. I have no connection to it. Um, I think I've told you I've never even seen the original. So I, something I need to cross off my bucket list someday. But uh, I have no desire to watch Cobra Kai as much as people recommend it to me. I mean, as somebody who hasn't seen any of it, like not a lick of Karate Kid, yeah, there's no reason for you to bother with Cobra Kai. But um, just for, you know, the just for the cultural like impact of the first film, I would I would say I would urge you to watch at least the first film. And then if it works for you, you know, continue on and then uh, call it quits whenever whenever it starts to get bad, which will (laughs) probably be number three um that that movie is campy fun from time to time 
Um, but it is most certainly the the lesser of that trilogy. And then there's also the Hillary Swank movie, um, and then also the uh, Jaden Smith quote remake that features no karate. <laughs> I always thought the branding of that was a little funny, <laughs> where it's like, oh, this that is most certainly kung fu mm-hmm. or gong fu, if you will. There is no karate. There, the, there, there is going to be kar- karate in your karate killed film correct <laughs> like no actually well, uh, but most americans probably um, are too dumb to even know yeah it's it's that thing that asian people do it's, it's <laughs> all karate to, it's pizzas. all karate to most it's people. all karate to me <laughs> that should be an expression yeah. <laughs> like a really ignorant terrible expression but i would laugh i it's okay i'm entitled to um I'm going to kick it over to you, Brad. Uh, how about you take the reins for a minute and give us uh, some of your thoughts on some of the rest of the titles from July 12th? Well, there's uh, Killing Eve Season 4, which I won't say much about because I didn't watch this season. Um, the show really dropped off after Season 1. I've heard the finale is horrendous, um, but I might catch up with it someday. Uh, I just want to mention uh, Terror Circus, which I don't know much about, but it is a Code Red release comes with a nice slipcover and uh, seems like just kind of a sleazy 70s horror film. I actually, the the more I look at that cover, it, it is kind of growing on me. The use of the, the black and the, the way that the eyes look with the people inside it. Um, it's not bad. So I don't know much about this, um, but could be uh, something I'd be into. Again, Code Red and Kino, uh, they do partner up on sales. So this could be dirt cheap in an upcoming Kino sale, and uh, I might pop on it. Very nice. Yeah, uh, good call on the cover art. Uh, it, it really is eye-catching. I, I, I do like the composition of that one. It works for me. Um, we also have uh, presumably a re-release of Basketball uh, from 1998 uh, from Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, I quite enjoy Basketball. It worked for me. I probably would today, too. Um, and then a movie called The Last Broadcast, which also has an eye-catching uh, eye catching a cover from 1998. Now, that name is very familiar, but it's also one of those names that, you know, is familiar for a variety of reasons. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that this was like a found footage movie uh, in the early days, Brad? I think you might be right, because I kind of looked right over this one, didn't even pay attention to it. And then, yeah, as soon as you said The Last Broadcast, and it does say a film crew ventures into the forest in search of the mythical jersey devil so i think you are right on that one that is a good call this is something i would definitely need to see yeah that's that's largely why i pointed it out uh, folks if you're not aware brad he's a fan of that genre or that subgenre. so uh, yeah maybe check that one out um we also have bigfoot or bust from 2022 which is a jim wynorski film uh, aka the director of Chopping Mall, uh, which I know Brad mm. is an owner and uh, has viewed yeah. uh, that film. Um, this is a contemporary release from that same director. Uh, the folks, uh, Richie and, and his buddy over at uh, Super Media Bros, uh, the Super Media Bros podcast, reviewed this very recently. Uh, it sounds terrible, but also probably like a lot of fun uh, if you're down for that sort of fun. Um, not really something I would watch and enjoy on my own. Uh, but maybe something to watch with a, a gaggle of friends uh, over some beers or something. Um, 
beside that, we have Black Sight uh, from 2022. Uh, is this a Lionsgate? I don't think it actually is. Vertical Entertainment. Um, actually, from a from some like news sites that I follow that have to do with like action and martial arts cinema, uh, City on Fire and uh, Film Combat Syndicate. I seem to remember them saying this was actually not half bad. Uh, it's headlined by Michelle Monaghan, but also has Jason Clark and our <laughs> our boy Jai Courtney, box office poison Jai Courtney. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's true, but. I have seldom seen films that benefited from the presence of Jack Courtney. <laughs> um, but despite that, apparently this movie's not half bad really? for, for action enthusiasts. Yeah, I, I, shocker. I, I would not have expected that just based on the cover art. But um, if it's free, I might actually give this a watch. I am absolutely not going to blind buy this, though. I mean, based on the cover art, I was thinking, like, oh, my gosh, Michelle Monaghan and Jason Clark, this is so beneath them. And then Jai Courtney, you know, this is about what I would expect. But I guess uh, <laughs> apparently the movie's better than the cover art and the vertical entertainment, uh, you know, branding, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they, they know their audience. That uh, that American flag is there for a reason, as is that handgun. Um Beside that, we have Wolfhound from 2022. That is most certainly a Lionsgate release. Uh, it's contemporary. That's really the only reason I'm pointing it out. Uh, moving on, we have a couple of uh, anime titles that I will point out. Uh, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, there are a shit ton of Japanese animated titles that come out from month to month, so we will not be focusing on all of them. Uh, however, I will just like make an effort to point out the ones that my old ass is actually familiar with. Uh, so we have Razafon from 2002 to 2003 i remember that being a minor hit in the states probably a bigger deal in japan but beside that the big one is a uh, mobile suit gundam seed uh, which makes me feel fucking old uh, to see that uh, on blu-ray in the states being as uh, this is very obviously uh, the 20-year uh, nostalgia wheel uh, coming to the fore uh, so this is just reminding me that uh, you get no john you get node uh because yes this is a nostalgia release of something from 2000 and fucking two when i was in fucking high school uh, that makes me feel old gundam seed was okay cool mechanical designs shit ass character designs moving on uh mondo kane uh, from 2021 i don't know anything about this other than at a at a glance this guy on the cover looks like scott adkins uh <laughs> specifically the boyka version of scott adkins but i seem to remember there being an older film by the same title uh or at least a series of films or something because my dad had a really nasty habit of bringing home uh, highly inappropriate films on vhs uh back in the day when we were nice. kids like we had a couple of toxic avenger films on our shelf for years that I remember like I was like five or some shit and my dad was like fully prepared to put it into the VCR and like watch it with me and my brother and my mom was like fuck no <laughs> so those just kind of sat on the shelf and I don't think they were ever even opened but I'm pretty sure we had a Mondo Kane and it was like a volume hmm. one or two or something I think it was just like a collection of crazy shit um but I I don't have a fucking clue what this is. I do see like a film festival uh, banner on the cover, so they're trying to pimp it out as something worth your time. But Brad, do you know anything about this? No, I, yeah, I don't know anything about this. But I mean, like we said, like Hero Mondo Kane is just a very 
you know, common title. So it, it makes sense that there'd be. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Mondokane, they're a dime a dozen, especially yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, I think I'm about prepared to move on to the next week. However, I will point out that there is a uh, presumably a re-release of uh, Changing Lanes from also from 2002. Uh, that's a Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson. Really, the only reason I'm pointing it out is that I re-watched it a few years ago uh, I don't even remember why I was just in the mood for that specific type of like drama like the, the late 90s early 2000s had a vibe to it and I think I was just in the mood for that it's a decent movie um, I would never buy it <laughs> but it's kind of cool that you know the timing of that re-release yeah. anyway uh, so let's bounce on down to the next week uh, we got July 19th 2022 and uh, right out the gate we got uh, a pair of a criterion releases uh we have the devil in a blue dress on 4k from 1995 uh i have seen a lot of uh, anticipation for this film on the twitter as of late uh i'm a big fan of denzel denzel very much works for me especially 90s denzel um brad uh, do you have any uh, familiarity with this one no i actually don't know much about uh devil in a blue dress beyond uh Denzel being in it and that is a selling point that is a selling point yeah I mean there's a reason he's big as life and twice as ugly on the cover uh, because he is a selling point pretty universally uh, as far as I know except for Kyle he's not a huge fan uh, <laughs> kind of like Steve Ouch. Martin he, does, he just doesn't he's just not the biggest deal to him um, but yeah uh, I would totally watch this I don't know a goddamn thing about it but you know 90s Denzel was good Denzel uh, and it's on 4k from the fucking Criterion Collection so it's very very much very likely worth your time uh and then beside that we have uh was this a best foreign film last year uh yeah Drive uh yeah did it win i can't even remember like my memories i know it was nominated and i know it was a strong candidate but i'm not positive if it won and i think it was up for best picture as well i think it did win because i think it was up for best picture it was uh cool that a film like this was able to break in I think it would, I I could be wrong. I think it got nominated for best director too. Like it was pretty, you know, su- like it kind of surprised people that it got so many uh, so much recognition at the Oscars. And it is a little surprising because it is um, not like the most accessible movie. I mean, it is like a three-hour long, quiet, contemplative, personal drama. Um, and I did watch it, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, I would. I would like to um, watch it again potentially. I feel like it could hit harder on a, on a rewatch, but it certainly is a very um, it's it's worth the experience in the runtime, and I think the runtime it justifies itself. It's very cathartic at the end, and uh, yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I I very much would like to watch it. I haven't, uh, however, my brother Matt uh, he. He did watch it with his wife, and uh, yeah, he he strongly recommended it. He said, "Brah, you got to watch this." Mm-hmm. Uh, so I probably will. I don't know if I'm gonna buy it, uh, but it's very much on my to-do list. So I will I will get to that when I get to it. Um, beside that, though, we have something completely different. Uh, we have uh, Men in Black on Steelbook 25th Anniversary Edition on 4K. Uh, this is the Barry Sonnenfeld film. Um, is this debuting on 4K, Brad? No, it, it's been out. I don't know if this is a new 
transfer, but I, I think it's just a re-release of for the 25th anniversary. Um, I don't know if there's any okay, new I, bonus features, it, but yeah, it has been out already. Is it kind of like Indiana Jones where they like had a box set of the trilogy and now this is an individual release or something, or or is this just a steelbook? That that could be the case. Yeah, I know. I know for sure it came out in a trilogy set on 4K. Um, and I don't know if it, this might be the first individual release of it. Yeah, I'm not certain of that, but I, I will say, uh, if I was to purchase this, um, and I, I would consider it, the Steelbook's not a selling point for me, but the first Men in Black movie absolutely is. Uh, this was kind of a phenomenon among me and my friends. Uh, you know, the, the music tie-in in particular was a big fucking deal for all of us MTV watchers uh, back in the day. I think this came out when I was in middle school, um, and that song uh, was kind of a big fucking deal uh, and this movie is pretty fucking great yeah uh, i really love this movie mm-hmm. um but the the weird part of this series of films is that it's it's structured weird where the first one's brilliant second one's often thought of as like the dip but then the third one's not nearly on the same level as the first one but it's like acceptable like it's it's like pretty good um, what are your feelings on, on the Men in Black series, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I probably would agree with that assessment. Um, I did watch the second one a lot just because I owned it on DVD. And I don't know if I actually ever owned the first one. I was like, you know, it was always on TV, so I'd watch it a bunch. But I think the second one was the only one that I owned when I was younger. So I watched that one a lot. Um, i only seen the third one once. I saw it in theaters. But, yeah, I mean... I mean, the first one is far and away the best. Like, I mean, it, I think it is a great, just fun blockbuster. It's it's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's it's an exceptional late 90s action sci-fi film. Like, it, it really is great. It has something for everybody, and it's really well put together. And what's more, it's like it it manages its scale really, really, really effectively, where it, it doesn't get to the, as the Red Letter Media folks put it, like, blue space laser up to the heavens moment that like so many action blockbusters like contemporary ones feel the need to get to Mm -hmm. where it's like yes we are fighting for like massive stakes but it never really gets any bigger in terms of like on-screen action than two dudes fighting a giant cockroach yeah it's like you know that's that's all you need keep it character focused and and like the character work and the the comedy in the movies fantastic um, funny enough, like you, uh, the second one I have seen a weird, a weirdly large number of times. I think to the to this day, it may be the only movie I've seen. No, wait, I have seen exactly two movies twice in the theater. Um, first was Men in Black Two, and it was because a gal asked me to go see it with her after I had already seen it, and I didn't have the heart to say no because. I was in high school and it was a, a woman asking me to go see a, a movie in the theater. So, yeah, that's what you do, even though I already knew I didn't like the movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, you, th- you just say yes. Just yeah. say yes. It's better. Um, and then the other one was The Dark Knight Rises. Actually, for exactly the same reason. <laughs> hey, um, we've all been there. I Captain America the Winter Soldier was mine. And, and again, I, I know some people love that movie. Not my favorite Marvel movie, I can tell you that much, and that was uh, that was a rough uh, rough date to get through. Not to put you on the spot, Brad, but 
if you had to pick a favorite Marvel movie, what do you think it would be? I think it would be the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably pretty clearly. Okay. I mean, I did really like uh, which the is it Endgame, Avengers Endgame. I actually did really like. I was surprised how much I liked that one. Um, but yeah, I think I would say the first Guardians for me is still still the best in terms of you know, at, especially at that point, like that was kind of one of the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movies where they really brought in uh, director's style and vision. And it was kind of at the time. Now they're kind of, you know, for better or worse, all the directors are kind of getting to put their own spin on things. But at the time, that was kind of a big breath of fresh air for me. So, yeah, I would say the first one. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's that's very fair. I think uh, Kyle uh, would agree with you either on that one or Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. I know both of those movies very much work for him. Yeah. Um me personally, it might actually be Winter Soldier, although the problem with that movie, and there are problems with that movie, is that it's inconsistent. Uh, mm-hmm. It has some of the highest highs for me, for me personally, for my particular tastes in you know action cinema in particular, but it has some lows. Like the whole the whole midsection is just ass. Like like it it just doesn't work very well. Nothing fucking happens in that midsection, but. It's bookended by some pretty cool shit. Yeah. Um, and the stunt work, of course, really works for me. So I have a odd relationship with that one where it's like I will fully acknowledge it's not great from end to end, um, but the highs are very high for me personally. Um, and also Infinity War. Uh, I find the like the treasure hunt aspect of the movie, like it has a relentless pace that never totally ditches you like you never lose track of what's going on across multiple parties um so i really love the momentum i really love the creativity in the choreography and whatnot um yeah infinity wars is one that i i would actually like to come back to uh, pretty soon actually like it's one that i think about from time to time um anyway uh let's move on uh so what were we talking about uh, the bob's burgers movie okay. Oh, go ahead. No, I just, whoa, whoa, whoa. how'd we get there? <laughs> uh, Men, in Men in Black. and Black. Uh, and, yeah, what was the path know. to Marvel? Fuck. I don't know. Bob's Burgers. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, Bob's, you you mentioned Winter Soldier, and, and then I decided oh, you the said date. it wasn't your, your date. favorite. Your double date. Your... Oh, yeah, my double date. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Bob's Burgers. Um, I have never seen an episode of bob's burgers but i hear it's fantastic yeah um i i remember one of your regulars on the cinema speak podcast had mentioned this movie um is uh bob's burgers a hit with you and your friends group yeah i uh i quite like bob's burgers um i had at a, to a certain point i had watched like the first four maybe five seasons i had seen everything i was caught up and then i kind of i i fell off but i do really like the show um, I'll check out the um, movie at some point. Um, now, I think the 4K is only available as a steel book here. And I got to say, that cover art is like, uh, wh- I, it's like, Ass. it's terrible. It's, there's, it's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's like, what the fuck is this? It's empty, like literally empty. Like at the very least, if you're going to have it just be the storefront, you could at least have the Bob's Burgers sign with the movie banner underneath, like to have... Bob's Burgers that sign on there twice 
and yeah like what i don't know what's going on like it, there's like apparently some construction going on in front i don't it's it's horrible yeah i i don't know who came up with that but uh that is that is not great um it gives you very little to work with like even as a fan i'm sure there's like i mean you you're familiar with the show so like there's no real hidden meaning or anything as far as i can tell it's just a lazy cover I mean, yes, the uh, the redundant Bob's Burgers title I find to be very frustrating. That's just unwise, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> um, beside that, we have from Blue Underground, God Told Me To, on 4K from 1976. Um, they seem to specialize in schlock. With a title and a cover like that, I would not be at all surprised if that fits very snugly into their catalog. I think it's a Larry, uh, you know Larry Cohen film, I believe. Um, but I don't know anything oh. beyond that. I mean, Larry Cohen is a—he is a selling point. Uh, he has some—he has a particular sense of humor, some sense and sensibility to him that's unique. Um, sometimes a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, maybe worth a look. Uh, we have twenty-fifth anniversary limited edition steelbook of Good Burger. <laughs> um, I remember all that. I was—you know—I was born in eighty-seven. I was very much a '90s kid. Uh, of course, I—I I remember the all that. Uh, I did not watch this movie. I was just old enough that I was like pulling away from that sort of thing around this time. This was around the time I was stepping away from like Disney movies and stuff. Like, I don't need no Hunchback. I don't need no Pocahontas. I don't need no Tarzan. I don't need none of that. Um, I did catch some shit for not watching Mulan. Um, I remember a lot of my contemporaries were upset, continue to be upset at me for that. But um, yeah, Good Burger I skipped. But. Um, Fun fact, I seem to remember Abe Vigoda being in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there was a time yeah, that's a, that's a, there was a time where this was like the 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 funniest movie for me. <laughs> like I was at an age where uh yeah, this movie hit uh just the right spot. Um I think I watched it not recently, but you know, when I was slightly older and it was uh it was definitely waning. Um so I'm sure if I watched it now, it would probably be nothing to me, but uh, I'd be curious to watch it for nostalgia purposes. Yeah, it might be fun. I mean, those, those uh, I don't know, late 90s, mid 90s, like child targeted live action films all had a certain like madcap zaniness to them and like wildly colorful production design that has a vibe to it that, you know, you, I could see some nostalgia feels coming from watching something like this even if like the comedy doesn't land for you just like seeing the like the the wardrobe and the production design and the soundtrack and stuff like it's like yeah i I remember when the world looked like this or at least when when hollywood producers thought that the the world through the eyes of a child would look like this you know a lot of uh what was it Randy Edelman soundtracks and stuff where it's like, it's like, Oh, we need to run up and down the stairs a lot in this movie. That's how we'll trick people into thinking it's, it's, it's wild. It's energetic mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, beside that we have, uh, Marty from Kino from 1955 and, uh, nothing but Ernest Borgnine on that cover. And God damn it. That's all I need. I, I love Ernest Borgnine. Him and his him and that gap tooth smile of his. I I love Ernie. Like he 
also in basketball, by the way. <laughs> Big month for him. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about Ernest Borgnine, but he just has a, a quality to him that just fucking works, man. I don't know anything about this movie, but just seeing his ass on the cover, sure, I'd give it a watch. Um, beside that, we have from Arrow, uh, Hell High uh, from 1989. And now, Brad, I'm sorry. Every time I look at this, I'm just like, is that Gary Busey? <laughs> <laughs> It does Every look like Gary Busey. Time. Yeah. I, 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 I think I looked into it and it's not, but every single time I look at this cover, I just think that's Gary Busey. Yeah. No, it's, I believe, <laughs> I don't know much about the film, but I think it is about a teacher who goes on a killing spree. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that's the teacher on the cover. So I think that is a woman, but it does have, <laughs> she does have Busey-like features for sure. <laughs> this is a very unfortunate woman, but yeah, that that's all I have to say about that one. It's like it would have been better with Gary Busey. Yeah. Um, you have Marshall Club from 1981, uh, Miami Blues from 1990. That's an MVD Rewind collection title. Uh, we have Film Noir: colon, The Dark Side of Cinema Eight, 1942 to 1946. So Kino is continuing to put out those box sets. Uh, and then we have a 4K release of Lion of the Desert from 1980. This is being put out by Shout Factory. Um, and this is uh, directed by Mustafa Akkad, who I believe, if memory serves, is the Halloween guy. Oh, yeah. He's Michael uh, Myers' yeah. Uh, father, basically. Yeah, he's the he's like he's the franchise head. Yeah. Like, like he's the Kevin Feige of, of Michael Myers, essentially. Oh, he, he was. Um, I, believe he, I, I believe he's passed. Oh, they, they put the kibosh on Mustafa. Um, <laughs> so, um, headlined by Anthony Quinn and Oliver Reed. And, oh, hey, uh, dad cinema favorite, uh, Rod Steiger. Um, I know he's a big fan with the older generation. He's a big big deal to the older generations. Yeah. Did, did you also mention um, The Message, uh, which seems I, I an, another Mustafa Akkad movie with anthony quinn i don't know if the films are related at all but both coming out through shout factory oh i i actually did not know that uh mustafa was a director i strictly knew him as like the the shepherd of the the halloween franchise so that's fascinating to me um also the fact that these are that's getting a 4k release uh, must be a big deal to somebody um we have the adventures of don juan 1948 and then uh jfk revisited colon through the uh, i can't through the looking glass through the looking glass yeah brad what what actually is in this box it is a new documentary by oliver stone i believe it might be a series uh i think well it says there's two movies here i guess i don't know i don't know what the hell this is I think it's a pair of documentaries about the same subject. Okay. One one of which I think might be older, and one of which is contemporary. Um, but what I think you you had mentioned this in a in a previous chat that we had had, like where you and I are both hoping that a like a four K or repressing at the very least of Oliver Stone's theatrical film JFK gets put out someday. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, this is this is interesting, but not nearly as interesting to me as just having another opportunity to see that movie uh, in 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I mean, 
there's a lot of movies and stuff that don't have releases or that are out of print that are shocking. But that's one that's like, come on. Like, I mean, that's a big movie that is basically unavailable in HD on disc right now. That is kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping we get that someday. Uh, who knows what's keeping it from happening? Um, but fingers crossed. Um, as as uh, Brad had mentioned, uh, we also have The Message out on 4K, also headlined by Anthony Quinn. Uh, and then we have a movie that I don't know a fucking thing about, uh, but it's, uh, it's called Duel. Mm. It's a contemporary release from 2022, and we got uh, two Karen Gillans for the price <laughs> of one, and I would just say... Karen Gillan's pretty great. She's and great. Two Karen Gillan's one would hope is uh, is doubly great. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm not saying I'm on the Karen Gillan train, but I'm at the station. I'll say that. Um, I will say that I the premise of this is pretty pretty good. I think so. It's basically in the future, from what and this is just me from what I remember. I could be off, but we're in the future, and. The, the, there's the ability to clone yourself. This woman has a terminal illness and she decides she's going to clone herself so that her family doesn't have to go through the, um, the, the pain of losing her at a young age. So she ends up cloning herself, creating a clone, but she ends up surviving the terminal illness somehow. It goes away. So then apparently... In this future, there's a law that there can't be more than one of you, but a clone has the same right to life as you. So the the law is that you have to duel to the death. She has to duel to the death with her and her clone, which I think is a pretty good premise. I I do want to check this one out. Um, I haven't heard much in the way if it's good or not, but that premise and uh, Karen Gillan alone, I'm I'm sold. Yeah, uh, you just sold me on it. Uh, that does sound, that sounds interesting to me. Um, I will point out that uh, this cloning shit uh, seems to be uh, timely. I guess like there's seems to be in the air or something because there's there's multiple movies with similar subject matters uh, being released over the the past couple of years. Here we got the Gemini Man, which I mean, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great, um, but I've heard that movie is not. Um, <laughs> We have this, uh, and then we have a movie that I, I I don't know if it's gotten mainstream distribution. I know it was like on film festivals and whatnot, but I read about uh, via a magazine a while back. Um, I think it was Total Film, but I think it's uh, headlined by Mahershala Ali. Yep. Um, it's also about a clone. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but uh, this one in particular sounds like it could be some fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other one, I forget the t- Swan Song, I want to say. Does that sound right? Could be. I I have no recollection of the title. I just remember reading a review of it that was mostly positive. Yeah, that one. Um, it's actually got picked up by Apple TV, so that's how you can watch okay. it. Okay, good to know. Um, we have Sequest DSV, the complete series, uh, featuring Roy Scheider uh, from 1993 to 1996. I remember that show being a minor hit. Um, I didn't watch it ever. However, I love Roy Scheider. Um, and I love the ocean, so I would totally watch that today. I'm not going to be fucking buying it. Uh, we have Gamer on 4K from 2009, uh, headlined by Gerard Butler. Um, I think Kyle has proposed this for the podcast a couple of times. Um, I've seen this in, in like 
spurts. Like, I don't think I've actually sat down and watched it front to back. But I remember the visual presentation of it at least being interesting in that crank sort of way. Um, I don't remember it being very good, though. I seem to recall, like, Terry Crews being a little bit wasted in it. But um, I don't know what it, what it is about this one. But for some reason, I seem to remember Kyle bringing it up a, a, a time or two. Um, interesting that's getting a 4k release although i have i have a weird theory that like maybe there's like a a new 4k factory or, or like some sort of there's some sort of industry shakeup or something going on because there's an absurd number of 4k releases lined up for the next several months hey some something has changed that i'm not aware keep of. keep them coming baby keep them coming i don't care if it's gamer or some other piece of shit i'm down if it's on 4k <laughs> i might pick it up I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, although I tend to be pretty selective when it comes to 4K, where it's like, I, I need it I need it to be the kind of movie where it's warranted. Like, I don't need to watch, like, a, I don't know, a, a, a bottle drama 4K. <laughs> like, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's nice, but, like, I at this point in time, where 4K is still kind of a treat, uh, I tend to be selective in what i purchase where it has to be like a, a visually bombastic film or something that would actually in my eyes anyway benefit from it um if castlevania season four that would be the netflix animation um big fan of those video games but i've never actually watched that show uh speaking of men in black we have the men in black trilogy uh in a box uh on 4k um with Desperate Hours from 1990. I think that's a Mickey Rourke film as well from uh, MVD. But uh, we have The Righteous from 2021 from Arrow. Uh, Brad, uh, this looks like something that would be on your radar. Uh, is it? You know, you would think, but it's actually not. But I do remember when they announced it, I was like, oh, that looks like something that should be on my radar. But uh, I never really looked into it too much. But I do. Uh, that cover art is pretty striking. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, I quite like it. And uh, we also have The Sacred Spirit from 2021, also from Arrow, uh, also with a striking cover. Now, that um, should be not stated. Quite to my taste. We should say, very controversial. You know the controversy with this one? I do not, but let's hear it. Um, I believe it was this film. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say it was. Um, that they announced this movie, and they... You know, they put out their announcements. Oh, he, the Sacred Spirit coming to Blu-ray, blah, blah, blah. And they put out the artwork. And people were quick to point out that uh, the artwork was extremely similar to another film's artwork. I don't remember what that film was, but uh, so much so that I do believe this is different. I believe they actually changed the artwork. Um, and I think the uh, person who, the illustrator, the artist who came up with the artwork, apologized. I said, like... I don't remember ever seeing this other film's artwork, but maybe somehow, you know, you know, eventually there's going to be similarities and I'm sure it wasn't done intentionally, but could have been just, uh, absorbed and not even realized. And, uh, you know, and it happens, but yeah, there was a, there was some controversy, there was some controversy with this one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, plagiarism is a hell of a thing like especially with images these days like it's it's so easy to just like rip assets uh from other people's work and like barely conceal them digitally um so i wouldn't be surprised if stuff like that happens behind the scenes more often than you'd expect but 
Um, we also have Raging Fury, also from Arrow from 1989. Uh, Yellow Jackets, season one. Uh, have you seen this one, Brad? Because I've heard some really good things about this show. Yeah, I haven't. I, I don't have access to Showtime at the moment. But uh, yeah, I've heard great things. I've heard it's really good. That's kind of the problem with Showtime is like they, they have some, like they have a scattering of brilliant stuff, but never like consistently enough to like make you want to get Showtime. Yeah. It's kind of an ongoing problem with them, but you know, they do have good stuff. Just it's kind of scattered. Yeah. Um, we have the kid on fucking 4k from 2019. Speaking of random fucking 4ks, uh, I'm going to kick it over to you, Brad. What uh, What's jumping out at you? I mean, there's a couple of Kino releases here. We got a double feature of Salt and Pepper and One More Time uh, featuring Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, what is this other one? Maria Montez and John Hall Collection. What, uh, they Call Me Mr. Tibbs with Sidney Poitier and The Organization with Sidney Poitier all coming out on Kino. But uh, not too much more else there's a indicator release of requiem for a village but uh yeah everything else is kind of over my head to be honest yeah I, I guess the last thing i'll point out is that we have uh the 4k standard releases uh from arrow of both robocop and an american oh, Werewolf yeah. in london if you if you don't want like the super duper boxed edition of those uh okay so let's bounce on down to july 26th 2022 and uh, right out the gate uh, we already talked a lot of Marvel so probably done there but we will point out that uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness uh, is coming out uh, on 4K and Blu-ray and whatnot this is of course from Sam Raimi um, and uh, Brad you did a an actual review of this for the Cinema Speak podcast correct uh, I have not seen it as of yet but uh, what was what were your thoughts on this one you know I was kind of mixed on it uh, there's a lot that I liked but for some reason it didn't really come together in a satisfying way um, it's one that I would like to revisit because I, I think of scenes from the movie and I'm like man I really like that sequence uh, you know some great Sam Raimiisms, but I just by the end of the film when I was watching it in its entirety, it really didn't work for me very well. So I, this is one I, I might revisit this pretty fairly soon. Cause it's like, I feel like I should have loved this, but it just, something didn't click with me. So maybe on a rewatch. Yeah. I'll probably be watching this one soon. Like whenever I find the 4k out in the wild or something, I'm not in a hurry, but I probably will be watching this one soon. And I'm curious as to what, what it'll be for me personally um last thing I'll, I'll ask you about the marvel stuff because we've already said enough but um backdoor pilot uh that's one of those concepts that it i can't help but think of when i think of more contemporary mcu stuff and i find it to be grading a lot of times i feel like the thing that i'm watching isn't allowed to be the thing that i'm watching because it's also having to do pull double duty as a platform for introducing the next thing uh, does that play like am i off base saying that that plays into this film as well there is definitely i mean i don't want to get into what could potentially be spoiler but yeah there is uh yeah, yeah. there is that element i don't know if you know 
specifically what you might be referring to, but um, for sure that that is there. I, I know, I know, I know. Having seen trailers and having listened to your discussion with our boy Santino, uh, that there's a character in there um, that seems to that the Disney Corporation seems to have plans mm-hmm. for. <laughs> yeah, um, and I I can't help but think you know in in having to juggle the like the title character and the core narrative in addition to also having to like introduce and hype up the brand new thing i can't help but feel that like that probably throws some sort of monkey wrench into the into the like cleanness of your storytelling presentation yeah it's like it it probably is disruptive to some degree Um, anyway i haven't seen the movie i'm just i'm just thinking on it yeah yeah you're you're about right i would say okay well, I'll I'll watch it. I'll I'll log it on the letterbox. <laughs> um, beside that, we have uh, a lot of a lot of people's favorite fucking movie, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, on fucking 4K from Kino Lorber. Uh, this is a uh, this is a big deal. Uh, I haven't actually seen this movie, mm-hmm. but I know it by reputation. Uh, a couple of my friends, this is like far and away their favorite fucking movie uh, that exists on this earth it's a michel gondry film uh, who i largely know as the director of some daft punk music videos um but his his work in in the world of film is very well respected uh, largely on the strength of this movie but i know be kind rewind is also kind of a kind of a, a charming film that a lot of people like as well uh how about you brad what do you think of this one yeah no this is uh definitely up there as potentially one of my favorites i wouldn't go as far as say it's my favorite um but uh i do uh really enjoy it i think the last rewatch i had of it dipped a little bit a little too precious at times but um i still really enjoy it and i probably will pick this up on uh 4k from kino at some point um also i mean worth mentioning that it was written by charlie kaufman who i think potentially carries even more weight than michelle gondry these days these days especially mm. yeah uh charlie kaufman has a stellar reputation um but yeah uh if you want to increase your appreciation for this film i would encourage you to watch uh, the corridor crew's um examination of some of the special effects work in the film uh, because they theorize uh on on how some of the shots were achieved um and in the year 2004 uh it's kind of mind-blowing like how how many man hours uh, were put into doing doing some of the the setups that they had to do uh, it was really fascinating stuff i would highly recommend and anybody who's interested in the art of filmmaking check that out um we also have species on 4k from 1995 uh, Brad, you have the Blu-ray of this, correct? Yep, another Blu-ray I've bought and never watched. <laughs> eh, it's, it's it's fucking species, man. Like, like, I'm sorry, but in the year 2020-22, boobs in cinema just aren't as precious as they once were. I guess. Yeah. Like, they they have cheapened boobs. So just put it that way. Like the internet has spoiled us for boobs, um, which is probably a shame. But yeah, in 1995, it was a different landscape. Movies like this. We're kind of a big deal to young young people interested in boobs, um, and that's mostly what this movie has to offer. <laughs> um, uh, it has some ghastly CGI towards the end. Um, it actually has a brilliant cast, uh, like some really really good people involved in it. Um, you got Forrest Whitaker in a 
a kind of like not yet big deal Alfred Molina. Um, I this movie's okay. It's it's not great. It's it's kind of trashy, um, but it's also kind of fun. Um, and I remember the marketing campaign for it was relentless. Uh, so it has some nostalgia vibes to it, but I would never hype this movie as an actual good movie. Um, and I, <laughs> I want to say the 4K is probably a liability, honestly, uh, because of the aforementioned ghastly CGI. Like, be rad. Um, you gotta like scream. You gotta like uh, snap some of the some of the clips from the end of this movie to some of your friends. Yeah, they'll, they'll just be like the fuck am i looking at <laughs> <laughs> like is this beyond the mind's eye is this the lawnmower man oh, what okay. the fuck is that yeah <laughs> it's another one i own on blu-ray and haven't bad. watched yet oh what's that the lawnmower man oh oh uh make sure to watch the uh the director's cut uh i have not seen that personally but i know it's on the shout factory uh disc of it mm-hmm. and i have walked by that disc at my local used video store so many goddamn times and got and I have held it in my hand, but I have I have always failed to make the actual march up to the register. Yeah, uh, it's that kind of movie for me where it's like, mm, like I know this sucks, <laughs> but I have a lot of memories, but I know it sucks, <laughs> so I just keep putting it back. Someday, someday I will, I will watch that uh, Jeff Fahey movie uh, with him in the, the blonde fright wig with the really bad CGI. Someday I'll rewatch that again. I think I did send you that, that clip I made of Pierce Brosnan throwing his glasses though, right? Yeah, I think you did send that to me, yeah. Yeah, I made a 10-minute loop of uh, Pierce Brosnan wigging out and throwing his glasses across the room in that movie. <laughs> ah, lawnmower man. Um, the Killing on 4K from 1956. Uh, excuse me. Um, this is a Stanley Kubrick film. Um, now, Brad, did you, I forget, did you have like a different disc that has this movie on it or something? Yeah, the Criterion, or wait, uh, The Killing? No, wait. Actually, yeah, I ha- I own The Killing on Criterion. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, because I know uh, Kino also put out Stanley Kubrick's film that came up before The Killing, and I forget what that we've already gone over that, but yeah, I do own um, the killing on Criterion. Another one I own, but have never watched. Um, so, oh well, <laughs> oh well. I mean, you'll get to it eventually. But um, okay, so now is the time when we start getting into the the depths of uh, the boutique label releases that become very difficult to manage. But we have uh, from Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Scared to Death from 1980. Um, and we're probably going to be running into a lot more of those and a lot from their affiliate labels as well. So I'll be sure to try my best to highlight those. But uh, Brad is always very helpful in uh, keeping me on track with those. We also have Horror High and Stanley mm-hmm. uh, from Vinegar Syndrome as well. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, what appears to be, I'm not sure if these are affiliate releases or not, but um, Shriek of the Mutilated and Two Undercover Angels as well. Yep. Um, I think those are the like actual, those are all the actual Vinegar Syndrome releases for the month. I think all the other ones are partner labels. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, uh, you know, I love Vinegar Syndrome. The last few months, I I don't know if I've just haven't been looking into the films enough, but uh, the last few months of releases haven't really uh, appealed to me too much. I got to be honest. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, like, to be honest, uh, I very seldom actually find Vinegar Syndrome releases to get hyped about. Um, and that has very much been the case over the past couple of months. But I, I think they have at least one big one for me in particular next month. I think Writing Wrongs uh, with a Yun Biao and a Cynthia Rothrock. I think that's on the slate for August. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, we have uh, Out of the Blue on 4K from 1980, and that, that appears to be the Severin uh, label. Um, and then The Lost City on 4K from 2022. Uh Kyle had said this was a pretty good date night movie. Brad, have you seen this one? Yeah, I watched it. Um, I yeah, I would agree it's a good date night movie. Um, wouldn't say it's a good movie, but it's pretty <laughs> middle of the road. Uh, yeah, it's it is a yeah. It's not gonna offend both people. Will be like, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it's good enough where if the date is going well, you can stop it. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's not really one I would put a huge recommendation to what's uh what's the eggplant rating on that one according to your buddy i mean it's not on netflix so i can't give it in terms of a netflix and chill rating i gotta say it's a zero because it's not on netflix but if it were it'd be high we're talking probably four or 4.5 eggplants it's high okay okay you you heard it here folks 4.5 eggplants um (laughs) Can't say that much for a for the gray man. Uh, that that is not a good date night movie. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the girlfriend was not happy with that. Wow. <laughs> but like, not in like the not in like the condemning like you you pick the movie <laughs> and you fucked up kind of way. It was more like this movie was very frustrating, and I don't like it <laughs> in the constructive way, I guess. But. Um, we have a night gallery season two from 1971 to 1972 i seem to remember my dad liking that show uh the euro crypt of christopher lee collection two planet of the vampires from 1965 uh the return of captain invincible uh starring alan arkin and also uh christopher lee um i don't know what this movie is but i'm very curious because I like Alan Arkin, I like Christopher Lee, and it looks like it's doing it's doing something interesting. Like I, I'm hoping this doesn't end up being like a Leonard Part Six or some shit. Uh, do you know anything about Leonard Part Six? Yeah, I know. Brad? I know of Leonard Part Six. I don't know anything about this one. But... Okay. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm curious. Like I may actually have to look into this one. I'm not gonna buy it or anything, but I may have to like look up a trailer or something because like something about the cast and the cover art and what I think I'm getting from the concept sounds interesting. Uh, also uh, written by uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, uh, who I believe gave us Die Hard and directed uh, the Street Fighter movie from 1994. Mm. Uh, so we're in good hands. <laughs> um, we got Sampo from 1959. Uh, this is from Def Crocodile Films, so that would be one of those uh, partner labels for Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, people are um, losing it over Deaf Crocodile. I'll say that. I haven't. I don't own any of their really? releases, but people, these things are selling like hotcakes. Really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. You'll have you'll have to uh, keep me informed about that because that, that's not a name that's familiar to me. But sounds like uh, they're doing like they're doing good work. Um, we have Tenebrae on 4K uh, from Synapse Films. Uh, I'm dangerous tonight. 1990 that's a kino uh, jack be nimble 
1993. Uh, that looks not so good. Uh, that's from Altered Innocence, also one of those Vinegar Syndrome partner labels. Um, we have a Green Lantern animated film. Um, not going to talk about that. A lot of those uh, DC slash Warner Brothers animated films tend to be kind of same, same, uh, if you ask me. Uh, we have Pleasure from 2021. Uh, I have heard some very good things about this movie, but I know fuck all about it. Um, Brad, do you do you have any insight into this one? Yeah, I, I've heard good things actually as well. It's about a, a woman who um, is trying to break into the uh, internet porn industry, I guess. Um, and I guess it just follows her journey through that culture. Um, and yeah, I've heard I've heard it's good. Um, intriguing i guess but uh yeah i haven't watched it huh um yeah i i don't know anything about it other than what you just told me but uh i have heard positive reviews about it um we have cyber vengeance from 1995 uh that's a vinegar syndrome release um final flesh from agfa now this was a title that i think you were kind of hyped about brad this was the uh the porn studio that was hired out to make a film for someone on the cheap yeah so it was uh basically a porn slash fetish film production company where you could hire them to basically make out what make whatever sort of video you wanted and back i think it was more pre uh internet a little bit where people would hire them and say oh i want you know I want you to make a movie where somebody's wearing this and doing this and blah, blah, blah. And so this guy who was a comedy writer, he ended up writing a uh, very absurdist sort of end of the world kind of thing. And he wrote a script for it and sent it off to this production company and had them film it uh, using their own means and their own actors and actresses. And it uh, resulted in a very weird combination of uh, ideas and production uh, I, I do want to watch it. I have heard um, the general consensus that I have heard from this is everybody. I, I've, I don't know of anybody who's purchased this and watched it, but I have seen multiple people say, I'm glad I watched that before purchasing it, um, which is not the highest recommendation. But uh, I am curious because <laughs> it does. It just seems like a very interesting sort of experiment and watch. Yeah, uh, as soon as you told me about that, I was like, I would totally watch yeah. that just just to know what it is. Like, it doesn't. I'm not looking for it to be good. I just want to see what that what that looks like, what that feels like. So, um, yeah, that that particular Agfa release actually sounds very intriguing to me. So, I I, I hope you pick it up and I hope you give it a watch. But, um, we have a whole slew of a. Uh, partner label and vinegar syndrome releases here so i'm probably going to kick it over to you brad but i will point out uh, we have heavy metal parking lot raw nerve which i happen to really dig that cover art by the way mm -hmm. um and then we're all going to the world's fair which is a movie that i had uh read some reviews of just prior to you doing a micro review of it for for your show the cinema speak podcast uh, so that was funny timing because i i found myself intrigued by that movie right around the time you provided your own thoughts on it but uh, you care to share them here yeah i mean it definitely was not what i was expecting um it's i i really enjoyed the vibe of it it's about a young woman who participates in this uh i guess like a sort of like a creepy pasta experiment called the world's fair 
um, where she basically has to do a thing. Uh, you you say some you do something on a camera, and it's supposed to curse you, and then you're supposed to document the curse. So it follows her looking into all these YouTube videos of people who are having weird stuff happen to them, and it gets into the idea of are they actually cursed? Is weird stuff actually happening to them? And then when weird stuff starts to happen to her, you don't know whether she's playing along with the game or if she's actually being affected by something. And it is uh, not totally played out through uh, video cameras and uh, you know online footage, but a good chunk of the film is uh, like presented through like YouTube videos and stuff like that. It's not a found footage. Like there is stuff outside of the computer screen, but, um, a lot of it is that. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you got to know what you're getting into going into it. Cause it is not for everybody. It's hardly anything happens at all. Um, like I could see a lot of people watching this and being like, nothing fucking happened in this fucking movie. <laughs> um, but if you know that going into it, it's, it's got a great vibe. Um, I think the perform there's only like a couple of people in the movie. I think they're both great though. And, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. It reminded me a lot of, like, Harmony Corinne, like, a little bit more of, like, an Internet Age Harmony Corinne sort of vibe. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I quite liked it a lot. I, I might pick this up because I, I would like to watch it again. Yeah, I, everything I read about sounded like it was very fascinating mm-hmm. um, and very contemporary, too, which sometimes can be a liability, especially when it comes to Internet-themed things. But it sounded like... To me, anyway, it sounded kind of like what, um, like me, probably should have should have been because I don't I don't think that movie's brilliant, but it, on a conceptual level, I found aspects of it to be interesting. But this sounds quite a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'd like to check this one out at some point. But, um, I'm gonna kick it over to you, Brad. Uh, any other titles here that are jumping out at you among among this whole host of like vinegar syndrome stuff and whatnot you know i th- there is a, a like a few other partner labels here lux eterna which is the new or i don't know if it's new but a recent gaspar noe film um i don't oh wow. i don't know i've only seen a handful of his films so i'm not too versed in his filmography and i don't remember what this is about but um you've got heartbreakers from 1984 uh roller babies uh thriller a cruel picture which i think i don't know if this is it's been out for a while it came out during their black friday or halfway to black friday sale i don't know if this is just the retail release of it um but that was a big release for them uh which i seems like people were hyped for it sold it sold a lot of copies thriller did oh Wow, I, I was not aware of that, but it's good to know. I, I I remember seeing that on the catalog a couple of different times, and I remember you making mention of it. So maybe it's a a better known uh, movie among their catalog than than I'm aware. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roller Babies appears to be a porno remake or adaptation of Roller Blade, um, just based on the font. It's almost identical to that film. Um, okay uh, i have some anime that i actually do have to point out uh, so we have violence jack um, which is apparently a, a like an absolutely wretched and horrible <laughs> like ova series um it's, it's like needlessly cruel and just trashy uh to the point that i'll probably end up buying it 
Um, it carries a certain reputation uh, that I'm curious about because I've never actually seen it, but it's it's often thought of as just being like wretched, horrible trash. Um, really mean-spirited, apparently. Okay. Um, Brad's like, oh, I better add that <laughs> to the cart. <laughs> so, um, and then beside that, we have Cyber City Oedo uh, 808, uh, from 1990 and 1991 i already have this on dvd i'm not going to be upgrading this but this was a, a ova collection i think it's only three parts uh that actually screened on like the sci-fi channel late at night and stuff so i saw this uh when i was pretty young when i was like in middle school uh, and it has some really cool stuff to it like it has a really cool world it's pretty consistently well animated which is not something that can be said for a lot of japanese animation of this era uh, it's it's fine. It's not amazing, but uh, it's it's a nostalgia pop for me. Um, I need to point out. Uh, so I guess today is the day where Trevor uh, mistakes a lot of people on the covers for movies for other celebrities. Um, so we had we had Burt Reynolds, and and <laughs> um, uh, now we have, and also we had Gary Busey, um, and now we have Paul Shear on the cover of set of Ravage from nineteen ninety seven. Um, that would. <laughs> I'm sorry, like I I don't know why, but I, all I see is uh, the gap tooth smile of Paul Shear, even though this fella doesn't appear to have a gap tooth smile. It does look like him now. It at a distance that like if you take away the longer parts of the hair, yeah. his hairline matches, his eyes match. Like I th- maybe he secretly made this movie in the '90s. Who fucking knows? Um, but beside that, we have a Primal on 4K from 2019. This is very. Very obviously trying to bank off of the name of Nicolas Cage, who I'm sure there are a shit ton of people these days, as evidenced by the relentless marketing campaign for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, a movie that I don't think anyone has praised as being amazing. But if you look at the sheer number of like special and boxed editions of that movie, we're in the middle of like a, a merchandising wave uh, for Nicolas Cage. We are cashing in on Cage, and people are most likely buying uh, Primal, it does not deserve a 4K. I'll just say that much. I have seen this movie. It does not deserve a 4K. But people will likely buy it just because Nick Cage on a ship full of, you know, badly CGI animated uh, big cats and whatnot. It's not very good. Just leave it at that. Um, anything else you want to point out, Brad? Because I'm scrolling through and I'm running out of options. Yeah, I mean, looks like a lot of re-releases. Um, yeah, not really much else. Yeah, uh, last thing I guess I'll point out is uh, we have, very similar to Galaxy Quest, the 5,000th uh, release of The Guest from 2014. Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen that movie reprinted, but uh, I actually haven't seen it. I, I know it carries a reputation. I know it actually is supposed to be quite good. I just think it's funny how often I see alternate covers for that movie um being as it's so small um okay uh so brad uh let's proceed to the wrap-up um that's about it for our thoughts on all the titles from july 2022 so as is customary folks at home we will wrap things up uh by just skimming through uh the month's releases and just uh pointing out any titles that we plan to pick up and or uh put on our to-do list as far as a viewing duty goes so i'll let brad uh collect his thoughts and in the meantime i'll scroll backwards through the catalog and just set aside any titles that uh, i think i might get so uh, <laughs> violence jack uh 
I know I said some awful things about this. I know it's probably really nasty, but that's that's actually a selling point for me. <laughs> so I might actually get that. I, I well, very likely will get that. So that that's probably an add to cart for me personally. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound when it comes to the MCU. So I. I will be getting that. Uh, do you think a 4K is warranted, Brad? Like, I'm asking you, someone who has seen the movie, should I get the 4K or should I just do the Blu-ray? Because I do that with MC movies, ba- MCU movies based on their quality. Like, if it's not worth the 4K, I don't, I don't feel bad about just getting the Blu-ray. I mean, I always say go, go big or go home and get the 4K. Um, but I don't know. There was some, there are some moments that are visually nice. There's also some pretty ugly moments too, especially like in the middle of the movie. Um, you could go either way on this one, I would say. Okay, well, I'll I'll go with whatever presents itself yeah. to, to me when I when I'm out and about. Like whatever I find in the wild is what I get, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, uh, Men in Black on 4K. Now that now that it's been put in front of me. Um, that's a movie that I've like you, I guess, have never actually owned. But when I really think about it, when I think of the movies that have been important to me over, you know, my thirty-five years of life, it I should own that movie. And I know my girlfriend likes it too, uh, so it would be a nice excuse to rewatch it. So that's that's actually a maybe. I'm not sure if I'd go with the whole trilogy um, because I have a lot less enthusiasm for the sequels. I think I would probably just just get the one and call it good um drive my car i gotta watch it but i'm not gonna buy that um uh gundam seed like i said it's not a i I like the mechanical designs i didn't actually like the show i'm not going to be buying that as much of a a gundam mark as i am i'm not going to be buying that basketball i would actually consider buying (laughs) I've, I've watched that movie a lot. I, I, I miss that particular brand of comedy. I miss, you know, the Zucker Brothers style of just like gag a minute, like highly visual comedy. Um, Raging Bull 4K, that's, that is a definite. In fact, um, had I not been in the process of moving, I would have gotten that already. Um, so that's, that's definitely memory. Like I said, $7, motherfucker, already got it. <laughs> um and uh everything everywhere all at once uh i'm not i may actually blind buy that Uh, i'm not sure if i'll go with full 4k but i may actually just fucking buy that and uh the hunted like i said uh has been on my uh it's been on like a wish list somewhere uh for a very long time so I, i probably end up picking that one up too so haven't really spent any money as of yet but i'm actually in a position to spend quite a lot this month but um Ball is to you, sir, Brad. Uh, what uh, what do you think you're going to be grabbing? I mean, uh, from July 2022. Not, not a ton for me. Um, I'm sure I will be getting everything everywhere all at once on 4K. Um, those eat 'em ups, the tarantulas, the deadly cargo, tear out of the sky, and ants. Uh, definitely potential Kino sale pickup if they are on sale. Those are guaranteed. I will be buying them. Um, Raging Bull. I think that more than anything this month is. I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy that in the next day or two here before the sale ends. Um, let's see. I think that's all for that week. Um, 
Drive My Car, I don't think I'll be buying, but I would like to rewatch it. Uh, Duel is another one. I, I, I want to watch it, but I don't think I'm going to buy the Blu-ray. Um, and, I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I might pick that up. Um, I might not. I don't know. I, I'm i not dying to watch it anytime soon, but it is it is up there as one of my favorites, so I'm sure at some point I will be uh, making the purchase. And uh, Final Flesh and We're All Going to the World's Fair are a couple of partner labels that I, I might pick up. I might pick up. Okay, so a lot of maybes, but a, a a couple of a couple of certains that that are guaranteed to be very good additions to your collection. Uh, thanks for pointing out uh, Duel, uh, by the way. Um, I'm I'm not going to be buying that. I'm not spending money on that, but I'll try to keep it on my radar because that does actually sound kind of fun. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> it's like whoa, whoa, whoa! You 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 done cloned yourself? Well, now you got to kill yourself. <laughs> it's like, I kind of like that premise. And as we said, Karen Gillan, she's great. Mm-hmm. She's great. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, that's about it. So uh, as always, thank you so much for joining me, Brad. I really appreciate your help uh, in covering these Blu-ray titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go, uh, Brad, would you care to let our uh, listeners know where they can find you? Uh, and your super awesome podcast. Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for Cinema Speak. You can follow us on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and on the web at uh, cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right. Thank you for that, Brad. And uh, as always, sorry to put you on the spot, but. Uh... Any videos in the queue at the moment? Anything you're you're working on? Well, I, I need to record it. I have a an unboxing that I haven't done because um, I just haven't had the time to sit down and actually record it. So I'm hoping all the Blu-rays are there because I've, I've had it for a few weeks. If something's missing, they might say, you're shit out of luck, bud. So I'm hoping everything's there. Okay, well, let this let this serve as a reminder that you better get on yeah. that because that, I mean... I know you. I know you've done an unboxing previous that uh, had like at least one damaged box or something. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, best best be getting on that. Uh, looking looking forward to that whenever you get to it, though. Uh, always always happy to watch any of your videos. But um, folks at home, uh, if you would like to catch up on any of our catching up on cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias on the Twitter at catching cinema, as well as the Instagram at catching up on cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. <laughs>